Gold Cord by Amy Carmichael. I'm on chapter 25, and first is the prelude to chapter 25. O God, forasmuch as without thee we are not able to please thee, mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatian Sacrament from A.D. 494. Then this from the life of Bishop Westcott. Yesterday got hopelessly confused and Professor Milligan amused me by quoting a Scottish minister's reply to a neighbor who came into the kirk while another young man was preaching. What's his grund? was the question of the perplexed hearer who could not follow. He's nay grund. He's swimming. Swimming. I'm afraid we often swim in sermons and elsewhere. Then this poem from Amy Carmichael. Thou that dwellest in the gardens, the companions hearken to thy voice. Cause me to hear it. Cause me to hear, for it is life to me. I perish when I am away from thee. Love of my love, tell me, where walkest thou? I would be with thee now. Let me be thy companion, even I, for whom thou once didst in a garden lie. Love of my love, then all my dear more dear, tell me, may I draw near? I may, I may, thou callest me to come. O dweller in the gardens, this is home. Love of my love, dear Lord, what would I more but listen, serve, adore? Chapter 25, In All Things Direct and Rule. <clears throat> Until 1925, the first two of us who were together here belonged to the CEZMS, and committees are usually responsible for the guidance of their missionaries. But, Without knowing it or meaning it, we soon passed the place where we could look to any for counsel except the one who was near enough to tell us what to do from hour to hour. It was his word which had caused the work to begin, and only he, we write reverently, knew what we should do. And then, too, we always had the feeling that there was more in each apparently small decision than we could understand. We dared not move in anything without a sure direction. Our friends at home were very kind. Sometimes they inquired, though, through their secretary on the field, what our plans were and how much bigger we proposed to grow and what our financial liabilities would be. But we could not tell them, for we ourselves did not know. We could only assure then that those financial liabilities would never be theirs to meet, for that responsibility belonged, again we write with reverence, to our Lord and Master, our unseen leader. So we went on looking to him to tell us clearly what we were to do. I do not mean by that anything mystical, but something as practical as possible. We did not live in the clouds. We have never lived there. Our way is in the dust of the ordinary road. 
but it is not presumption to count upon a promise being fulfilled. It is not assuming to lay hold on such words as, as these. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Or what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Or, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. London was too far away to direct our steps, but our Lord Jesus was very easy to find. So we came to learn that the greatest aid we could ask from our friends was not advice, but the much more effective help of happy I'm sorry, but the much more effective help of prayer. There can be nothing new to write about this happy subject, and so why write? And another thought holds me back. We all know what it is to shrink from hearing two define from hearing two defining words used about some holy thing, the Lord's Supper, for example. Words that seem like clumsy fingers to pull the petals from the lily. I do not want to write such words about this intimate thing, the leading of our Lord. But something must be said, for to say nothing would be to drop a thread of the golden cord that binds us together. When was this written? asked Jasmine, the Brahmin pilgrim, about one of the Psalms. The words of the song are all about me, and she could hardly be persuaded that words which described her affair so exactly were written a long time ago. It was like that recently when we read the Acts with the Sisters of the Common Life using Weymouth's translation. We found their guidance under God being given by circumstances, sometimes disturbing, sometimes helpful. Also, guidance after thinking things over, he who sighs for a particular inspiration or direction in common matters, which his own reason and judgment can determine as liable to, de to deception, Madame Guyon said. The words are beacons warning off shoals. And we found guidance given after prayer and fasting through the general feeling made known by a show of hands, a unanimous decision after hearing all the facts. Having become unanimous, implying diversity of opinion at first and serious discussion is Weymouth's note. And there was the strong lead of an impelling sense of duty and help was given by a word of the Lord, remembered and quoted when the perplexed Peter said, then I remembered the Lord's words, how he used to say, the Lord quicken our memories and our inward ear too, so that we may not be deaf to the comforter when he comes to bring familiar words to our remembrance. Sometimes the Spirit of Jesus gave a direct command. The Holy Spirit said. Sometimes an angel was sent. Sometimes a vision. The difficult passage of apparently confused guidance in Acts 21.4 is clear if we may take Rotherham's translation. The dissuading friends began to say through the Spirit that Paul would gain no footing in Jerusalem. Even so, Paul, 
having received his Lord's leading, went on. We have not seen the angels who companion us, but with countless of our master servants, we have known his guidance in all the other ways mentioned in the Acts. Often, as an earlier chapter told, while, I was, while all was new, we were allowed to ask for some sure token which even our ignorance could not mistake. There is a simplicity about this that is comforting to inexperience, and we gratefully remember the wet fleece and the dry and the dovetailing of events, like the dreamer's telling his dream to his fellow just when Gideon and his servant crept softly to the edge of the camp. But though this is only the alphabet of, of the matter, like the first easy lesson given to the children of Israel at the Red Sea when the waters were divided, even now, when there is neither inward assurance nor the visible opening of circumstances, and yet a decision must be made, we find ourselves asking for this kind of leading, and we are not refused. But as we continue with our Lord, we often find ourselves by the further waters known to so many of his followers, the waters of the Jordan when it overflows its banks. The feet of the priests had to be wet in the flood. The people had to begin to do the impossible before they saw how it could be made possible. There must be a word which cannot be mistaken before that can be done. Obedience here can be costly. There are some in the mission fields of the world who know how costly. When the word of the Lord that doth in a way known to himself twine and bind the heart which way he pleaseth comes to one whose dearest do not hear, cannot understand, then there is room for pain. He heard a voice they could not hear that would not let him stay. He saw a hand they could not see that beckoned him away. Say unto the children of Israel that they go forward. How did that word come to the man by the shore of the shallow sea so very long ago? Was it a voice spoken in the secret cell of his being or to his outer ear? How good it would be. Has not the heart felt this so often? If only others might hear or overhear so that not to one only, but to all should be the same assurance, the same compelling. This kind of obedience can never be a light thing to one who loves. Was it nothing to the Son of Man when the sword pierced his mother's soul? There is no promise of ease to the heart that is set on following the crucified, but it learns to drink of the brook in the way. That brook flows through many a pleasant runlet. First, always first, there is the living water that refreshes us every day. But there is, too, the constant joy of companionship and spirit with his own of all the ages. How many, following hard after him today, will find sweetness in this lovely word of his faithful servant, Madame de la Mota Gayon. God has the same right to incline and move the heart as to possess it. When the soul is perfectly yielding, it loses all its own consistency, so to speak, 
in order to take any moment the shape that God gives it. As water takes all the forms of the vases in which it is put, and all the colors. Sometimes there is a new sparkle on the brook as we find in some new discovery an unexpected illustration of a truth of scripture. This, from science and religion, we set alongside St. John 12, 23-29. Take the scientific fact to be the wireless message sent out by the broadcasting station and the intelligence of the scientist to correspond to the receiver. If the receiver cannot be tuned to the proper wavelength, no message is received, although it really exists around the apparatus. That would correspond to the case of a mind which cannot grasp certain truths. We all know what that means in trying to teach children. However, this is not quite what I want. Suppose that the wireless receiver is not very sensitive. Then it may happen that you only receive some part of the message and yet can make sense of it. Nevertheless, that sense is not the full sense of the message sent out. And although the partial partial message is still part of the complete message, its meaning in the new context is rather different. The people that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. But the Son of God heard the voice from heaven, saying in answer to his prayer, Father, glorify thy name. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. If the receiver cannot be tuned to the proper wavelength, no message is received. Only a muffled sound is heard. The people said that it thundered. Suppose that the wireless receiver is not very sensitive. Others said, an angel spoke to him. If no message can be received, what is it that hinders? If we are insensitive, why are we so? A single sin, however apparently trifling, however hidden in some cure corner, of our consciousness, a sin which we do not intend to renounce is enough to render real prayer impractical. This brings us to the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What should we do without that healing word? Flow over us, O powers of Calvary. We are the dust of the earth, but thy dust, Lord. O turn thy hand upon us, and purely purge away our dross, and take away all our sin. Only for God waits my soul, all hushed. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It was a wise teacher who said of that quality of quietness that is a gathering up of the energies of the soul, we are, to a great degree, unable to wait still upon God. We habitually take refuge in manuals when we might, I think, listen with more profit for the voice of the Spirit. That's from Westcott, His Life. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. 
Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the up to the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. Psalm 143, 8-11 We have it all there. Cause me to hear. Cause me to know. Teach me to do. Quicken me, O Lord. A thousand miles from Donapur, in the land where peacocks run in the jungle, their gorgeous tail feathers are made up into fans and sold for a few pence. Everyone knows the ir- iridescent greens and blues, the purples melting into brown, set in a soft old gold. But the feather must be held with a nice care before the eye catches the sheen of mauve, and not many see it. God, who so richly yet so delicately painted the feathers of this bird, can open our eyes to see what a careless glance would miss. He can quicken us. After obedience, we have found that there may be miles of hard going, but no one who has walked in these miles of our God would go back to the sheltered tameness of the road where never the sharp storm blows that takes the hide off our faces, as Samuel Rutherford, contemporary of Milton and Shakespeare, put it. It costs Christ and all his followers sharp showers and hot sweats ere they win to the top of the mountain. But still our soft nature would have heaven coming to our bedside when we are sleeping and lying down with us that we might go to heaven in warm clothes. But all that came there found wet feet by the way and sharp storms that did not that did take the hide off their face and found twos and fro's and ups and downs and many enemies by the way. In the end, our God justifies his commands, and often he seems to plan some little special cheer. One evening, on returning from a commanded journey, the traveler found, by way of welcome, these verses on her table. The allusion to the barefoot walking was that obedience just then had meant walking barefoot in the filthy lanes of an Indian city. This is what she found by her bed. Step by step, Lord, lead me onward, walking barefoot with my guide, listening for thy softest whisper, Savior for me crucified. Lead me on through flint and briar, wound our feet at every stride, tireless till we find thy lost one, Savior for him crucified. And we have a very understanding master. We have noticed that when some specially sharp strain on faith and hope and patience is to follow, then he draws near beforehand and with shining wings overshadows us. And there is a sound of gentle stillness. There is speech. Or there may be a showing. I think this word must be the right one. For long before I met it in old books, it was the only one that came to express the luminous thing that I mean. And through the hours or even years that came after, before there is fulfillment, the soul that heard, that saw, knows only to say to itself and to all that confronts it, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. 
What a Lord is ours. Many a visit does he make to the interior man. Sweet is his communication with him. Delightful is his consolation. Great is his peace and his familiarity exceedingly amazing. But the patient years have taught us this tremendous lesson. God never condones. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. His pure holiness cannot pass over a deviation from the appointed course. Thanks be to God for the consuming fire. We have found it possible to be directed as a company so that we can move together in a harmony of spirit that is restful and very sure. A company has to wait longer than one or two might have to do. But if all be set on doing their Lord's will and be truly one in loyalty and the New Testament kind of affection that makes each one feel safe with each other one, if all flow together to the goodness of the Lord, unanimity is certain. It is not difficult for our Father to make his children to be of one mind in a house like the city of his purpose that is at unity in itself, Jerusalem that hath been builded a true city all joined together in one. And we have always found that before the ultimate word must be spoken, divergent thoughts have vanished as by some magical, peaceful magic. The interval is sure to be perplexed by a temptation to the futile fuss of talk. Recognize this for what it is, the influence of the adversary, for hurry of spirit confuses. And before long, the same quiet word will come to all. If the inmost law of such a company be holy peace, it must be so. And of one thing we are certain, if prayer be hindered and we go on insensitive, he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Or in cowardice we shrink from whatever it must cost to recover loyal unity, then this fellowship will perish. For a while, but only for a while, it may continue to seem to be, but to the clear eyes of the spiritual watchers, from that first hour of insincerity, it will appear as a vanished thing, and its Lord will say of it, how is the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? So we must end on our knees. Oh, let me hear thy loving kindness early in the morning, for in thee is my trust. Show thou me the way that I should walk in, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Teach me to do that the thing that pleases thee, for thou art my God. Let thy loving spirit lead me forth into the land of righteousness. End of chapter 25 of Gold Cord by Amy Carmichael.